Hello, my name's Blair Murphy, and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service, and life experiences. This week, I'm speaking to Raquel Ho about her conversion. I hope you enjoy it. Well, Raquel, it's great to catch up with you today and uh, talk about your conversion experience. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. That's great. Well, where does your story begin? Why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up in the Philippines and your childhood? What should we know about you before we uh, get into the nitty gritty? Well, like most families in the Philippines, my parents grew up Catholics and we lived in a really small town before where everyone's basically Catholic. Both grandparents, mom and dad's side, grew up Catholics as well. In fact, my grandmother used to say, you know, you're born a Catholic, you die a Catholic. But when I was about five or six years old, my dad got promoted and we moved to the city. And that's when everything started. Just one day, a couple of missionaries came by to just, you know, ask for a drink of water and met my dad. And they started talking about religion and all that. And apparently my dad was actually searching So even though he was attending um, mass, he wasn't fully converted to the Catholic Church or completely believed in the teaching. So that's basically where it started. It was just my dad listening to the lessons because my mom actually didn't want to change religion. Mm -hmm. So she would often make excuses or hide. But um, that's how everything started, around six years old. And at that time, there were only three of us kids. So what number child are you in that, in that three then? Number two. Cool. And how many kids are there in the, in the whole family now? Um, six of us. Um, so do you remember much of that time? I mean, six years old is, is pretty young. Do you recall, you know, the missionaries coming to your home? Do you remember what was happening in your family during, during that period where your dad was investigating the church? Very much. Um, in fact, the missionary who baptized my parents, he's, he's from Utah. Uh, we still connect with him through Facebook. He's still very much a part of the family. He communicates to us all the time. And I guess what I remember from those early years, you know, was missionaries teaching us primary songs. And at that time, we didn't have a chapel yet. So that was around 1978 when they were baptized. And and we just met in um, the branch president's house. So I remember there were just a handful of members that time. So yeah, those memories are so vivid because it was, you know, a lot of new things happened at that time. And when you've spoken to your dad about his experience, and I guess ultimately your your mom also joined the church, um, what did they tell you about why they did that? I mean, you said your grandmother said you, you're born a Catholic, you die a Catholic. It must have been mm-hmm. a pretty significant thing to even contemplate joining the church. Um, what, what have they shared with you of their experience? Um, what I do know is that, like I said, my dad went to different churches. He was investigating. He was, I can't remember how many he went to. But what I do recall is that when he met with the missionaries and and learned about uh, what they were teaching, he just felt so deeply in his heart. In fact, even after a few lessons, he wanted to be baptized, but he didn't want to be baptized without my mom, you know, with him. And so it took a little bit of persuasion. And my dad finally um, was able to 
persuade my mom to just listen, you know, just listen to the discussions and see how she feels about it. And so both of them went through the process of reading the Book of Mormon and praying about it. And, you know, according to my mom, after sincerely listening to the lessons and, and really giving the missionaries a chance to, to, to teach her about the truths, um, that she too had a really strong testimony about what they were taught. And so both of them decided to be baptized together. And soon after that, you know, when my sister turned eight, she was baptized as well. Oh, that's great. And so I guess your family was one of those pioneer families in that area of the Philippines at that time. Then if you're saying it was pre-chapels being built and, and, and all mm. of that type of thing. What do you remember of your childhood years growing up in the church? And what was it like to be in a part of the world where the church was in its infancy? Um, I have nothing but really fond memories of those times. And, and it wasn't just a meeting house. When we grew a little bit, we had to rent um, a bigger house. So when I say big, probably, you know, 100 or 200 people that time, I would say. So we rented a place. It was a, uh, a much bigger place. And, and I just have fun memories of, of having primary in one of the rooms. And I, I guess what's really amazing, because just a couple of years after that, um, the chapel was finally built. So I, I distinctly remember 1980 when it was finished and I was baptized that year. So those were really, really great times. You know, there's a lot of great memories. In fact, we also helped in um, donating labor. We went to the chapel a few times to help with little stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and so the chapel always holds a very special place in my heart because our family went there many Saturdays and donated labor and, and helped with just little things, you know? Yeah, that's wonderful. I guess you talk about the church growing. It must have been so wonderful seeing so many of your friends and, and family and community joining the church. What impression did that leave on you as a child and a young person about the truthfulness of the gospel and about missionary work as you were seeing all of these families join? We had two cousins who stayed with us for a while when they were going to uni. And so a female cousin was baptized when she was staying with us. My mother's youngest brother, he was actually the only one who joined the church. He went on to serve a mission. And then there were other cousins that also became members of the church because of my parents sharing the gospel to them. I love the way you describe growing up in the church. When do you feel like you sort of put that to the test to get a firm testimony of your own? I think mostly that came after my, my dad passed away. So he died really young, age 33. I was 11 that time. Oh, wow. Yeah, really early. He was, he was the branch president at that time when he passed away. So he got really sick. He had leukemia. He tried to fight it for a couple of years. And, but, you know, eventually he left us. You know, when, when something like that happened, I, it really pushes you to think. Because I remember as a family, we always prayed that he would be well, that he would be, you know, restored back to health. And, and I remember participating in those family prayers often and, and even individually, because I think at that time I, I already had a testimony of prayer. I've had prayers answered. Mm -hmm. So this was quite a blow, I think, because I felt like our prayers even real. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. You know, is this God really there? I mean, why is this, why did this happen to us? And why didn't he answer our prayers? And, and you sort of think about those things. And because I saw a lot of priesthood blessings as well. Mm. And I think that was a time I was moving towards um, young women. So, you know, you're, you're becoming more mature, I guess. And you, and you think more about the gospel, but I guess part of it, I had to be relying on my, my mom's testimony to a certain extent because mm-hmm. she was so faithful. It was so difficult for her, but, you know, she remained really strong. And so I was thinking, you know, if this experience probably hurts my mom the most, but she's still there and, and she's still showing so much faith. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to, to hear that. What do you remember of that time? You know, it's so challenging. There's six kids in the household. Your dad, who was the branch president, passed away. How was life different, you know, those first few months? What really stood out to you as, as being the real challenges, apart from the fact that you, you missed your father? After my dad died, I couldn't really talk about him, probably without just breaking into tears. And it took about, I don't know, I think it was at BYU when I, when I was able to finally just talk about his death without being very, very emotional. Because we were very close. He was like the, he was the one who introduced me to music. Mm. So I guess that was partly what, what I think was missing in the family, that, that music. Like I really regret that my younger brothers didn't get to know him. Because mm. they were like, one was two years old and the other one was just one year old. And so they never really got to know him. And I guess as a family, you value that more, you know? Like my dad used to give us um, a priesthood blessings all the time. So that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, we had really great support system. And, I'm, and I, I'm really grateful growing up that we had a lot of great friends in the church. And even our non-member friends. But mostly it was really my mom that kept us together. I guess you were saying in the midst of this great loss and um, the challenges associated with it. There were some questions that came up in your mind because you'd been saying prayers, he'd had priesthood blessings and your faith was that he would be healed. Right. And so Mm -hmm. keep telling me that story about what happened next. I think that's the reason why it's, it's really meaningful to me to be teaching seminary as well. Like I appreciate that because I think part of that growth started when I started attending seminary and, mm. and we lived really close to the chapel. We, it was like, like a two minute walk to the chapel. And I think, I think it's when I really started to read the Book of Mormon and really pray about it. I mean, of course, I didn't understand all of it. The, the language was not easy, you know, reading it. I think I read it cover to cover when I was in seminary. And the only thing I remember is... Even though I didn't really understand the whole thing, the only thing I, I distinctly remember is when I read the Book of Mormon, there's just something, you know, I, I just feel this warmth inside me. I didn't recognize it then. Mm. I just knew that I felt good every time I read it. And I still do. Mm. You know, every time I read pages from the Book of Mormon, I just, I just felt really good. And I think it started with just feelings at that time because there was not a lot of intellectual engagement with what I was reading I think I was too young to be understanding a lot of the principles and the doctrines in, in the book. But I did ask, I did take on Moroni's challenge to pray about it. 
and I did several times after I read the Book of Mormon. So it wasn't just a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where my testimony sort of started to grow. And um, are there any other mm -hmm. spiritual experiences from your youth that stand out in your memory as being formative in, in your conversion? I think it was a time when we were allowed to work with the missionaries. Sometimes when we had foreign missionaries, we would translate for them. Mm -hmm. So I remember specifically these two sister missionaries. I worked with them for, I don't know. So it was a while. I was always like every Saturday, I think, and I would just listen to them teach. And I don't know, I think it was, it was being in that sort of environment where they were teaching the gospel that I continue see, listening to them. I was listening to them teach as well. And I felt like from listening to them, I was also starting to increase and grow my testimony. Um, and as we were speaking before we hit the record button, you mentioned that your time at BYU Hawaii was really formative and really instrumental in, in solidifying your testimony. Tell me about BYU. What, what happened there and, and, and what experiences um, surrounded that testimony being strengthened? I think for me personally, the true test is when you're on your own. So this was my first time to be away from the family. And, you know, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have Facebook. I mean, literally, I would wait every month to get a letter from my mother. And then, you know, they would wait a month to get a letter from me. And we couldn't afford a phone that time. So I couldn't really call them as often. Mm -hmm. Like they would have to go to a certain place in order for us to talk to each other long distance. So, so I think it was being there all by myself where literally you can do anything you want. And it could just go either way. You could use that independence and keep growing in the gospel. Or you could use that independence and, and go completely the other way. I just remember attending the first few sacrament meetings and and just feeling quite lost and examining my testimony again and thinking you know would I be able to still do my prayers and my scripture reading because I don't have a mother to remind me now but what I realized in in, in being alone and there were certainly many moments when when it was really challenging when it was difficult because you know you didn't really have anyone to to rely on but yourself but I think I made a promise that I will keep going to church. You know, I didn't have to. I didn't have to wake up in the morning. No one was going to, to know. No one was going to remind me. But to make that commitment to go, that I would push myself to not miss a Sunday. And, and I think it's that commitment that I think really helped me solidify that testimony. I had to work out my own testimony and, and, and really pray to the Lord to really help me truly understand if this church is, is true basic things but you know i had to go back and really try to find that out for myself otherwise i don't think i would be able to you know remain strong in the gospel it's still it's still a work in progress <laughs> but i i would not have been able to do that had i not made that decision to just keep doing what um i was supposed to do you mentioned asking those questions again right that you'd asked as a child and mm -hmm. maybe in your youth as well how did you feel like the answer came for you? It's never dramatic. I often marvel at people who talk about how this just incredible feeling or, or something miraculous that happened. I think for me, it's always very subtle and very gradual. Mm. Sometimes I would get an impression just by reading a verse or two. And, and I recognize that now as the Holy Ghost 
speaking to me. To me, I recognize it as, you know, when I'm saying a prayer and I feel comfort and I feel love, that, that's a, a manifestation that the Lord is telling me, you know, you're doing the right thing or, or you're meant to be here or, or this is the true gospel and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm, I love that. And we'd, we'd all love to have something dramatic. You know, I'm not a, opposed to having something dramatic, but most of the time when Heavenly Father speaks to us, it's in a way that if we wanted to, we could dismiss it. There's an element of learning to recognize those promptings for what they are. Um, one of the other things that I was reminded of as you were describing, you know, that situation in BYU and and being by yourself and having to choose for yourself. I was listening to a talk by Elder um, Renlin, one of the members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. I think the talk is called Choose You This Day, um, referencing that Bible verse. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that God's goal isn't obedience, right? If God's goal was obedience to him, then he would reward us immediately when we do the right thing or or punish us when we do the wrong thing and effectively train us to be obedient, right? His goal is for us to choose to be obedient, which is mm -hmm. completely different, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, just as you're describing uh, your experience, that was the process you were going through, wasn't it? Little by little choosing to follow God and, and being sensitive to how you felt and how your life was as a result of following him. That's what seems to have grown your testimony over, over those years. Was there anything else from that period of your life or another period of your life that you felt was really helpful and guiding your path in faith? Um, I think one of the most memorable things that I decided to do, like a few months before graduating from uni, I wanted to get my endowment. I felt so strongly that I had to because right after BYU Hawaii, we had one year practical experience. And I decided to do that in California because my uncle lives there. And, and I remember thinking I had to get my endowment because I just needed that extra protection. And so I spoke to my bishop and I was able to get my endowment at the age of 22, 23. And to me, that was another, I think, spiritual highlight in my life because it just, you know, moved the level of my testimony to something more deeper. Mm. Um, again, you know, when I went to the temple the first time, I didn't understand everything. But it's just knowing that everything that occurred there, everything that happened there is, is just part of the whole plan of salvation. I just felt that that added another layer of spiritual protection. And so that was, you know, that was a really special, special time. You've mentioned a couple of times uh, that you're a seminary teacher. And for those listening who might not know, our youth from what age is it, Raquel? 14 to 18, typically. So years 9 to 12. Yes. Yeah. At least in Australia, we have um, what's called early morning seminary. So somewhere between sort of 6 and 6.30, that class begins around the country. And our youth go there to study the scriptures and to learn about the, the gospel and strengthen their testimony. So you're one of the seminary teachers in our stake. I, I guess generally, what have you learned being a seminary teacher that you don't think you could have learned in any other way? You know, Federico and I were talking the other day. We were doing our Come Follow Me. And Federico said, you know, Raquel, I really noticed that, you know, teaching seminary these last few years, you've really grown in your understanding of the doctrines of the gospel. And to be honest with you, before when I, when I read the scriptures, I read it more for just, you know, I picked principles here and there. 
and of course you try to understand the context and and you try to understand what's going on and then you know you you, you get stuff that would help you personally but i feel like had i not taught seminary i would not have probably <laughs> I, and you know i i know we should all be digging more deeper into the gospel but yeah. but that's one of the things that i'm so grateful for because you know you're not just responsible for your own spiritual welfare you're teaching young people who truly need to understand the gospel more and so that really uh, motivated me to not just read the scriptures but to look for references to look at reliable sources to help me better understand because there are times that I don't understand certain scriptures myself mm-hmm. and that has influenced me so now when I do my personal study I'm not just reading words I'm not just trying to understand the words on the pages but I try to look at an institute manual or look at some talks from the prophet or look at what whatever else I can search to help me better understand and to me that has been a personal growth as well and you're hoping in you know in those discussions with the students that they too will develop the same love and enthusiasm for searching the scriptures and going beyond the pages going beyond what you know what they're actually reading i wonder have there been experiences where you have learned something about the love that our heavenly father has for the youth of the church oh just one really quickly um it was two years ago we were doing third nephi that was jesus christ's visit to the nephites so i just remember when we were discussing those chapters you know how i said i don't always receive marvelous manifestations but that particular lesson i remember i could almost just i don't know i felt for me personally i felt so much love in that room as we read through the verses talking about the lord's visit and the love that he showed to the children and how he prayed for them and how he wept for them i just felt so much love at that moment of the savior for each of those kids in that class and i certainly hope they too felt the love of the savior that time it was it was so palpable i think that's how i would describe that mm-hmm. i can never forget that lesson wonderful thank you for sharing that and now you you mentioned the book of mormon and this year again um we studied the book of mormon and in, in seminary and and as a church maybe just to bring our conversation to a close perhaps you could share with us your testimony of the book of mormon and maybe you know, what have you learned this year teaching the Book of Mormon again that perhaps you didn't know before? Um, how has your testimony of the Book of Mormon changed in these past 12 months? Wow. Um, you know, everybody talks about COVID. <laughs> and it almost sounds um, repetitive, but I think this year is special because a lot of challenging things happened this year that I think tested a lot of us. You know, I really felt Satan trying to almost discourage people from doing seminary, for example, um, from studying the scriptures. Do you know what I mean? I really felt that. And there were mornings when I really struggled, not just because it's Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. Zoom's difficult doing online seminary. That was difficult. But it almost felt like, you know, the adversary was really working to not have a study the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon. You know, and, and there were certainly mornings and it was really a struggle to get through. But I felt that when we did finally just kept persevering and kept moving on, that there were certainly those 
moments when I listened to the kids talk or explain a verse or two that it was just really, really, you know, you know that there's something going on in their lives as well, but they're also feeling that the Lord's trying to strengthen them during mm-hmm. those difficult times. And, and I think that's one thing that I can take from that. There is nothing that could stop the work of the Lord from progressing. And more than anything, I felt that even though, you know, I felt the adversary really discouraging people, but I felt that as we just kept doing it, we kept studying it, that towards the end, it didn't even matter anymore. Like waking up in the morning wasn't a big deal anymore. But I think more than anything, we just kept going and everything just fell into place and we just got into the groove. We just got into a really good place towards towards the end of seminary. And I don't want to mention names, but the students do assessment at the end of the year. And when I go through some of the responses, to me, that's that's how you tell that they too have been really strengthened by studying the Book of Mormon, just reading through some of the things that they've written and their testimonies. Well, that's that's so wonderful to hear. And um, thank you for being so generous and sharing your, your life's experience with us and, and how you've gained your testimony. Thanks for taking the time. All right, no worries. Thank you as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Raquel's life. She and the other seminary teachers play such a vital role in fostering the young testimonies of the youth of this church. That's all I have for you this week until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.